Welcome to Open Door, and I'm Bill Leffler. You may have been on Open Door in a previous podcast, and you know that I always take a couple questions to open up the, the new segment, and I'm going to be doing that today. Uh, one viewer asked the question, can you just define what is a crisis and what constitutes crisis? How do I know if I'm getting into a crisis? And uh, so I was interested in that question. So this is what I've come up with. In 1959, uh, John Kennedy, a, a then presidential hopeful, was giving a fundraising speech, and he used the word crisis. And he defined crisis coming from the Chinese symbol, meaning danger and opportunity. Now, that may sound good, but he was wrong. According to Chinese linguists, uh, that is not an accurate definition. So I ended up doing, I know it's Sounds kind of crazy, but I ended up doing some research on the word crisis. And what I found is that the oldest Latinized version of the word crisis means a disease that needs to be diagnosed, that a plan of action needs to take place for the purpose of complete healing. So the earliest definition that we have of crisis comes from a medical term, a disease that needs to be diagnosed a plan of action needs to be put into place and all for the purpose of complete restoration. So there you have it, crisis. Uh, second question, it's a little bit of a repeat from two segments ago, and the writer or the listener asked uh, or referenced the aspect of Cain being a partial giver. Uh, Adam has two sons, Cain and Abel. It became harvest time, and... Cain brought in a portion or a partial offering while his brother brought in the best offering. And what I'm wanting you to know about men who are partial givers could be understood this way, that men who are in crisis only give partially of their commitment to whatever it is that they are involved in. They're partially committed to family, partially committed to parenting, they can be even partially committed to uh, losing weight, whatever it is, but they do not fully engage. They do not do what's needed to be fully effective. I was uh, talking with the husband and wife one time, and uh, their marriage was having some ups and downs as marriages do. And that particular session, uh, his gripe, his complaint, if you will, was that she was always serving leftovers. And he said, I'm not a fan of leftovers. And as I looked at her, her eyes were looking down at the ground and I looked at her and I said, do you wanna comment on that? And without taking her eyes off the ground, this is what she said, and I quote, leftovers, it's all I ever get. It's all I ever get. What she was describing, what she was, the message that she was sending to her husband is that he may give fully to job, fully to things outside the home, but whenever he came home at night, all she ever received from him were leftovers. And so when I think about a man who gives partially, I think about a man who is only partially committed. This is absolutely the number one complaint that I hear from university women about university men, is that they're only partially committed. Two weeks ago, I think it was about two weeks ago, uh, I had a female student in my office and she said, I think that my boyfriend would rather be 
on his phone or playing a video game rather than being with me. Partially committed. That relationship is not going to work. So let's uh, look at today's issue. And I, I put it in the form of a question. And the question is, is there a girl crisis? And so as I was thinking about this, as I was writing on it, uh, my mind took me to an old musical memory. Uh, it goes back to the mid-1980s. There was a very popular uh, singer at the time, and her name was K.T. Oslin. And she wrote the song, 80s Ladies. She was describing the landscape of women between the 1950s and the 1980s. And the lyrics to that song go something like this. We're 80s ladies. We were girls of the 1950s, stone rock and rollers of the 60s. We, names got changed as the 70s slipped on by. And now we're 80s ladies. And there's not too much that we haven't tried. And then the song goes on and it says, we became educated, we became liberated, we burned our bras and we burned our dinners and we burned the candle at both ends. But today we're 80s ladies and there's not too much that we have not tried. So KT Oslin was giving a landscape of, of women between 1950 and 1980. She was successful. She became a, a, a Grammy award-winning artist, but the reality is that she couldn't survive her success. And the day came, she asked her business manager, she said, can I afford to retire? And he, and he said, of course. And she said, then I'm done. And shortly thereafter, she had a quadruple bypass surgery, struggled with depression. And this is an example of a woman who was very, very successful, but could not survive her success. But today she's uh, enjoying a happy life, living up in Nashville, and she'll do a, a benefit concert. Uh, in just a, a few short weeks. She's learned that giving her craft away gives her more, more meaning than uh, selling tickets, if you will. So KT Oslin, the 1980s, uh, fast forwarding this now into the 1990s. In 1994, a Christian, uh, excuse me, a non-Christian, you're gonna have to edit this. In 1994, uh, a therapist and her two partners uh, were seeing a lot of women between the ages of 13 and 25, and they were staggered at the amount of uh, pain that was in the lives of, the, of those women. In 1994, they published a book that shot up on the uh, list of the New York Times bestseller list, and the title of that book was Reviving Ophelia. It became a bestseller. It was interesting that as she described what was going on with women, now 25 years later, the 25th anniversary edition has just come out. And if you were to look at the table of contents in the 1990s and compare it with our life today in 2020, the table of contents, the topics are mirror images of one another. Self-harm issues, fatherlessness, substance abuse, low self-esteem. It's exactly what we've experienced today, now 25 years later. And in this interview, Mary Pfeiffer said this, American culture for girls 
in the 1990s was poison. And then she made this statement, and when I heard it, I went, whoa. And I want you to listen carefully and do not misinterpret what she says. She said, women in the 1990s were female impersonators. They were female impersonators. It's not what she would think. What she was saying is that these young 13, 15, 18, 20-year-olds were trying to grow up, but the reality is that they were giving an impersonation, a, a false image of who they really were, and that life was a struggle for them. Is there a girl crisis? According to the 1990s, I think that there is. So let's fast forward to uh, 2019, and excuse me for another musical metaphor, but uh, I'm very eclectic in my orientation to, to music, and this one is also pop culture. Uh, it is a group uh, of three artists, and their name is Lady Annabellum. Their lead singer is Hilary Scott, and they wrote a song, Hilary wrote the song, Just a Girl. That's the title, Just a Girl. Listen to some of these lyrics by Scott. You must have come up short tonight. I'm always your constellation prize. I'm just a call on your wall that you call, and that's where I fall. To you, I'm just a girl. And then the song goes on and concludes, Now I know I'm just one of your Friday nights, but I'm no pastime. This is going to be the last time. To you, I'm just a silly little thing. That's all you've ever seen. I'm more than just a girl. So going back to the 1950s with K.T. Osmond, coming all the way up to Hillary Scott in 2018, is there a girl crisis? I think that there is. Now imagine this, that there's a guy and he's in crisis. He has some of those issues in his life that, that he hasn't quite ironed out on his own. And he brings those into a relationship with a, with a woman who is maybe very squared away, very uh, is focused. She knows exactly what she wants, but she meets this guy and all of a sudden she finds herself being taken advantage of. But let's reverse the rules. Let's say that, that the guy is squared away, but the girl has unresolved daddy issues, if you will. And she brings those into the relationship. That relationship is destined to get off the tracks. But now let's take it even one step further, and here it is. What happens if both a guy and a gal both have unresolved issues, they're both in crisis and they don't recognize it, and you bring those things together, that is the relational perfect storm, and that relationship is destined to blow apart. You not only have a boy crisis or a girl crisis, but you have a relational crisis going on. I want to come back to something about Raising Ophelia, the, this book that was originally released in 1994. It was interesting, in 1994, there, there was an increase in abortions. There was an increase uh, of uh, births outside of wedlock, that females' college testing scores were lower, that the amount of women who were graduating from college was lower, but now 25 years later, those statistics have changed. And now 25 years later, 
according to Mary Piper, the, the author of Reviving Ophelia, she says that women today, there's fewer abortions, there's fewer births outside of uh, wedlock uh, to single women, that test scores are higher for women, the completion of college is higher for women than men today. Why is that? Why is there this shift within 25 years? I have an idea for that. I think that women today have come to a place where they're saying, enough of this. I'm going to have a life and I'm going to live it out and I'm going to take it seriously. And I think that men are slow to the table and recognize that level of urgency. Is there a real crisis? I think that there is. So in the few minutes that we have left, I want to uh, come back uh, and I want to look at the first woman mentioned in the Bible. And in mentioning her, I then want to identify just three ideas and then we will be done. We see in Genesis chapter one that God creates Adam and Eve, the first humans to superintend or to oversee uh, this garden, if you will. And they're described as being made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis one, verse 27. In Genesis chapter two, we, we have a replay of the creation story, but an interesting thing that happens when you read the creation account in Genesis two. And the difference is that in Genesis one, God lumps man and woman together and there is one verse. In Genesis two, the writer separates the creation account of man and woman. One verse describes the creation of man Six verses is dedicated to describing the creation of women. Now, I know that some of my uh, female uh, viewers might say, see, we are more wonderfully made than men. I, don't go there, please. But I do want to make the observation that there is complexity with, with women. Uh, women identify themselves by way of connection, and men identify themselves by way of separation but we know that they're made in the image and likeness of God. Now we come into Genesis three and the story of the serpent talking to the woman. And it's in Genesis three, we have the very first question that is found in the Bible. And that question comes from the snake, the protagonist, if you will. And that question is, did God really say? And what I'm wanting to pause and observe with that statement is that with that question, did God really say, it creates a culture of suspicion. And what I wanna say about women, but not limited to women, is that when a person defaults into being suspicious, when an idea is put on the table, when a decision needs to be made, when a person automatically defaults into that suspicious, oriented, questioning attitude, it puts the relationship in jeopardy. So that question creates this culture of suspicion. But that question is then followed by a statement and the serpent says, if you take of this fruit, there will be no consequences. And the text tells us that Eve looked at the fruit visual and thought in her mind that it would make her wiser than she already was. And this is what I'm wanting to observe about women in crisis. 
the word being made in the image of God is where we get the word imagination. Uh, I have a very vivid imagination. I'm an idea guy. I have lots of them. Albert Einstein said that imagination is profoundly more powerful than intelligence, and Einstein can say that. But the reality is that when we are making decisions based on possibility rather than actuality, we wouldn't run into trouble. I want to say that one more time. When women or men make decisions solely based on possibility and not actuality, I think we run into trouble. I think that there's times when we need to move out and we might not have all the answers. I think that there's times for that. But when we find ourselves in the main making decisions based upon what might be probability, I think that there's danger there. One last thought before I close. It comes back to the, the statement that she would be wiser than she already is. That is what I would call an insinuation. That insinuation is essentially saying to the woman, you're not smart enough. If she was really on game and if she hadn't taken her the fruit, she would have recognized the fact that she already was smart. And this is the last thing that I want to leave you with today about this word insinuation. We talked about the danger of being highly suspicious. We talked about the danger of not being enough. But what I want you to know about insinuation is that when somebody makes an insinuating comment to us, it propels on us the motivation to act impulsively. When somebody insinuates, when somebody suggests, when somebody hints at the fact that you're not enough, we automatically do, we don't want to be left there. And so what do we do? We act. And many times we act wrongly. And I think that's clearly the case with Eve. Now I'm done for the day. But next time we're get, we get together, I realize that we have an entire audience out there of just not college-age students who, who follow me. But I also know that there's an entire demographic out there people, women who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s. In our next podcast together, I want to talk about women in their later years and why they get into crisis. It's there. The dynamics are very, very different than the challenges that face the young, creational, perfect woman who's made in the image and likeness of God. Well, this has been a great time for me. I had fun looking at music and preparing for this. And I hope that this session has given you something to think about. Until next time, thanks for being with me on Open Door. <laughs>